Welcome to another Ember Weekend. I'm Jonathan Jackson. And I'm Chase McCarthy. And we are Ember Weekend. We're going to talk about some newsy stuff. Yeah, how you doing, Chase? Doing pretty good. Yeah. Nice, nice weather, getting cool here. Yeah, it's going to be some good stuff. We got a lot of really cool content that we want to talk about. So let's just dive in. But first, let's hear a word from our sponsor. Hello, I'm Corey. And I'm Matt. Matt and I started our consulting company, 201 Created, five years ago. We've been passionate about Ember and its community since we started and are proud to be able to sponsor Ember Weekend. Our clients have included Fortune 50 companies and Y Combinator startups. If your team needs Ember training or advice or wants to learn how to make open source work for you, visit us at www.201-created.com or follow us on Twitter at 201-TWO underscore OH underscore O-N-E. Thanks for listening and enjoy the podcast. All right, so the first thing we want to talk about is actually kind of like just a quick shout out to Embermap. They're doing a podcast and it's really cool. It's like much more conversational than our podcast, which is kind of like more like one thing than the next thing than the next thing. But I kind of I kind of dig that. The podcast that we're going to link to is well, one they did with Luke Melia on style guides. And I think I think it was Yap and that's Luke's company. I think it was Yap that worked on Ember Freestyle along, I think Chris Lopresto did an awesome uh, presentation in 2015. Which which year was that? Uh, it was yeah. at EmberConf. I can't even remember. Yeah, but the, the repo is still under Chris Lopresto's name. So I'm pretty sure he's yeah, yeah. Yeah, the top guy. It's, it's, and, it's, and it's awesome. It's top notch. It's a really great way to kind of like handle like styles and, and building components in a kind of re- reproducible way and kind of build a style guide that you can kind of reuse assets and things like that. So yeah, so check out the podcast. I think they go more into depth about like style guys in general. It's really cool. I like I like that style, that format of just kind of, you know, like turn turn some stuff on, listen to the, some some smart people talk for a while about some cool stuff. Yeah, I'm super glad you brought that that up that this podcast came out too because I had forgotten about that tool. And I'm actually on a project right now that that tool is going to be perfect for, so I'm going to pull that in. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, that's I I I I really do like the freestyle approach of 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 dealing with with component design for sure. Yeah, and and like the way this thing works is like freestyle. You go to like slash freestyle, I think, and you have all these components built out, but none of that stuff gets compiled into your production build as long as you set some flags. So I'm sure there's some configuration, but it's a really great idea. Like we we did this for a while with Ember Weekend. We just removed having like a slash UI directory. Which is basically like mockups for how our designer was laying out the pages, but up until and there was very small amount of markup, but up until very recently that was being shipped on every page request. Yeah, because we we always meant to go back in and do a, a build step that would remove that, and we didn't, and so now we just removed it all together. Yeah, I, I actually I will say the the freestyle I think it's opt in to remove it from your final output though. Which is a little a little surprising to me. I would have assumed that it would be default excluded from the final build in in production builds, but it's a simple simple flag. There's a good section on the README to to make sure that it doesn't ship if you don't want that. Maybe it's so that you can test in like multiple environments on like actual production assets. I don't know. It's very cool. And yeah, check out this podcast. The Ember Map guys are doing some great content all the time. We've mentioned them many times. So yeah, definitely check out this podcast and yeah, let us know what you think. All right, the next thing we're going to talk about is a tree-shaking RFC in Ember CLI. This is RFC 51 by Alex Navasardian. And this is something that I guess is some work based off of Chad Hayatala's work for like two years ago. You know, we've been talking about tree shaking in Ember for a long time. And there have been various RFCs that have to do with it to kind of like track work and get people all on the same page and talk discussing it. And this is kind of an extension to that, trying to get, you know, to this like dream of tree shaking all over your Ember app. 
um, which is really hard. This actually goes into a lot of the the details of like what we'll have to do. It seems like it's much more close now than it ever has been. Mm-hmm. I think mostly it's because so many people are now using the shims or the you know the the old Inverse CLI shims or the new I don't know what you call the new shims you know the at Inverse <laughs> slash ones and that's like the goal. Like if you don't you, if you don't do that, it's hard to tree shake because if you just import Ember, they don't know what you're using off the global Ember. So this is all based off of that. But the idea this introduces is an idea of strategies. They mentioned a linker, which is really interesting to me. I was just thinking about this the other day when I was doing some some C development for like an Arduino. That the problem of linking is very similar to the problem of like node packaging, like packaging modules up and like including one. And so C and you know all these other compiled languages have been doing, you know, tree shaking for a long time. All the linkers do this. And this is something we're trying to build into JavaScript, but it's really hard, I guess, due to the dynamic nature of JavaScript, kind of like loose things are in global and I have access to everything. And you have to really have like this sandboxed environment in order to do it correctly in JavaScript. Yeah, no, I think you're. I think you're totally right. And this is kind of like I, I believe, at least my understanding of this. And obviously, like this is a. I think this is a pretty in-depth topic. So you know, like this is something that we would definitely want to have discussions about. But I believe that the the goal here is to do incremental changes. And and like the linker is something that actually is listed as something that's kind of missing still, as something that needs to be like talked about later. And I think this is actually something you were you were talking about. And like the idea behind the linker is that it kind of builds the graph. And then just kind of prunes the redundant edges. So if it sees the same thing twice, it can just kind of like, you know, remove those things so that you end up with like, you know, as, uh, what is it, not not as terse, but as uh, as dense as you can make it, right? So like the linker kind of ensures that you never include the same thing twice. And I think this is kind of like, the approach here is you, you use the strategies and the assembler, I think is what the, the term is. <laughs> And, and you can build these things to basically have more fine control over what your stuff includes. So you can write your own assembler, or your own strategy, and really more fine-tune like what actually gets included. And that's going to be the next step that needs to happen to like allow individual add-ons like inside of the Ember ecosystem to like say, hey, um, you know, if you use this, we'll do this and so on. You know, like have like actual logic that you can kind of figure out what to do with the final output. Just like more fine fine-tuning. So it's it's a really cool idea. I I I think that I think that that it's still it's like close, but I think that there's still some work to be done. But it's I, I think that RFC is like the first step towards actually <laughs> seeing the tree shaking stuff that we've been talking about for so long. So I'm pretty excited about it. And, and one of the things that I thought was really interesting about this RFC was that they I think it was Alex who actually crafted this one, and he makes the distinction between dead cone elimination and tree shaking, which I never really thought about these things as different. Really, I kind of like were I, I got I got I guess I got, got them conflated, but tree shaking is is more about like ensure that the code you use is included, and dead code ensures like like it could be inside of a function, for instance, like if you do a premature return, it will just not include the rest of the function, for instance. But that's not tree shaking. That code would still be injected or not injected based off of the tree shaking. So there's like different levels, and that's something I never really thought about. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. I think dead code elimination would be a really interesting thing to add to Ember. And I'm, actually, I think that there's a tool that does something very similar to this. We, well, there's we, already there's already some dead dead code elimination. I know that if you use like a, there's a debugging tool. Robert Jackson wrote a blog post about it. Maybe maybe we can link to that. But it's basically like if it if it notices a constant thing, it will actually remove it. So if it says like if true and the primitive value of true is there, we'll already get dead code elimination. So there's already some cool stuff. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There, there's there's tools that, that already do something similar to dead code elimination, but without the entire like module. 
part. Mm. So it's like it's like it's a different level, but it also has because it's like such a low level. It seems like you can do this without having tree shaking, you know. But it's 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 cool that Ember is able to go this far, like that because it controls the entire ecosystem, like all the add-ons, you know, anything you want to import to be available, you have to go through like an app.import or something. You have to mm. somehow make some shim that gets it in there, and it Ember can control all that. And it's up to you, though. I mean, if you're if you're doing weird things in like an initializer and like adding things to like a global, you know, it's it's not going to work. And you know, I've worked on projects right. like that. This does require you to do a little bit of work, but as long as you kind of conform to the Ember, you know, framework, you should just get this kind of for free. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think I think that it will entail some work, a lot of work for the Ember team, and then I think probably add-on authors will probably have to pull some of these things over. But there's definitely going to be a, a pathway forward, which is which is good. Definitely check this out. This is something that I'm going to read up on more, and we'll definitely bring this up in a future episode to talk more in depth about it once more work has been done, and once you know we've had some discussions just to make sure you know like I don't know like this is a, this is an ongoing thing. It's very interesting work, and I'm I'm like eager to see it. Something that I, it's been like the promise of Ember CLI for like as long as I can remember Ember CLI being a thing. Like, hey, if you I remember like when you first started, was it Ember AppKit? You didn't import. Ember from Ember, like you just like it was assumed that Ember was a global, and then they turned on the hinting. And I remember, like the the thing that they were citing when they said, "Hey, we're gonna, you know, we're not gonna make this a warning. We're gonna make this a like a or no, we we are gonna make this a warning or if fail JS hint or something." Was that hey, we're gonna tree shake, and that was like a couple of years ago. So like seeing this move forward is really cool. So yeah, we'll definitely be talking about this in the future. So check it out. And the next thing we want to talk about is something that that John brought up, and I'm really glad he did because. I was messing with it just a few weeks ago, and that's Corber. Corber is, it's a combination of Cordova and Ember. It's made by Alex Blom. Oh, wow. Dude, I did not realize that that was like conglomeration of Cordova and Ember. Like, that's uh, that's cool. Uh, sorry, can I continue? <laughs> I didn't realize the Corber was like a, like an abbreviation or a smash, smash up. You're right. It's, it's really weird because, uh, <laughs> you know, the idea of Corber is actually to work with Vue and React and Glimmer. It'll work with an Ember app too, I believe. Yeah, it says in the docs to work with Ember, but by default, it like actually is designed to work with Glimmer, like with no changes. To get mm-hmm. it to work with any of the others, you have to like kind of like tell it like where files are, how files are structured. So yeah, Corber is an extension of some work that Alex Baum's been doing for a while on a project called Ember Cordova, uh, which was different than Ember CLI Cordova. It was like I I, I think I remember in his talk, maybe it was a couple years ago. I think this was just last year, was just I, last if year. I recall correctly. Yeah, I think I think this was last NumberConf that Alex gave his talk. Yeah, yeah, and he was he was using Ember CLI Cordova and saying it didn't like it wasn't being maintained or wasn't doing exactly what he wanted or he thought it should work a little different. I can't remember exactly why, but he started Ember Cordova, and since then Ember Cordova seems to be like the more stable one. It's very very feature complete, which is surprising because like I think it's just him doing most of the work. So <laughs> and and it seems like it's very battle tested because Alex seems to be doing a lot of mobile work. Specifically with with Ember and now Glimmer, which is great. So when I when I started doing this app a few weeks ago to like interface with Bluetooth on a Raspberry Pi, I started trying to use Corber. I ended up having to fall back to Ember Cordova because of there were some things I wanted to do that weren't yet moved over into Corber. But other than that, like Corber for a, for a simple app, Corber will actually work. You know, out of the box. There were some things with plugins and stuff that I wanted to do that it didn't support. But it's a it's a really exciting kind of like path because the idea of it is you know. The, the framework of, of Ember CLI combined with Cordova doesn't just work with Ember and Glimmer. It won't work with anything. We have a lot of great add-ons. We have a lot of you know good practices with Ember CLI. 
that have been applied already to things like Angular. And so he's basically doing that, and he's making another CLI tool called Corber that under the hood seems like it uses Ember CLI, but can build like Vue and React apps specifically for mobile web. So not like React Native. This is like React in a web view or view in a web view. So yeah, I mean it's 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 a great app. It's a great app. He has a lot of great tools built into it. There's things that the thing that I appreciate probably the most is the ability to drop in an SVG for like a splash page or an icon and have it automatically like generate all the other ones. Cause I used to have to do that like not by hand, but I had to like go and open a tool, open the file, generate all of them, put them in a, a directory, and then drag them into like interface builder or you know, Xcode. Oof. And nice. yeah, and, and this one just dealt it dealt with it like just automatically built it in, you know, <laughs> put it into the, yeah. the project. It was so nice. Oh uh, yeah, it's really neat. I mean, it's and it's entering in final beta. I want to say like I just saw the announcement channel, so like maybe like just this past week. So like it's starting to like solidify in a cool way. I guess uh, my question, Chase, because you have a lot of experience with this. When would you might when when might you use uh, Ember Cordova versus Corber? Is it is it still like is it like a binary choice? Like you would use one over the other, or is it like are there actual use cases where like this is like the natural this is like the evolution of this kind of thing, and we should start using Corber more or how do you, how do you see the the usage of this kind of library I mean it, it, to me it seems like if you if you need a project like done in a, in a few months like if you're trying to just get something quick out there probably lean towards Ember Cordova for now because it's pretty solid especially if it's it's a little complicated and you're going to using a lot of the features of of Cordova like the existing libraries like the plugins that exist because it has better support or at least it did and this is a couple weeks ago maybe something's changed in the beta but like saying that Corber is still in beta so if you have like six months or a year before your project's going to be out and it's going to be pretty big, but you want you don't want to be basically be behind by the time you release, then Corber might be fine. And especially you know, it's really good. It's going to be good for Alex to get people using this and giving feedback. It, you know, if, if it's just him using it, then things like documentation is going to suffer. You know, features aren't going to get added unless unless he needs them. So definitely, you know, try it out. The good thing is it's also pretty like because he's I guess because he's writing both of them. It seemed like when I when I switched from Corber to Ember Cordova, it was really just an issue of like uninstalling Corber, the Corber add-on, and then not using Corber CLI. So it looks like the project structure is pretty similar. So you might actually be able to move back and forth from one to the other, like try it out on a branch, and then once it gets stable, then you can switch. But it shouldn't be much of an upgrade issue. Obviously, I mean that's the point. Like right. the Ember app part of it, the web components you're writing in Ember or I mean in Glen Glimmer or in Ember shouldn't change much when you go back and forth. I mean, that's the, the the beauty of it. You have some plugins that know the native stuff, but and that's all the Cordova kind of like layer. So so yeah, I would I would I would probably lean still for the time being doing Ember Cordova, but make sure you're trying out Corber and make sure that you know whether your app's working or you know you see that you know something doesn't work quite right and you need some feature. Maybe you can add it or you know help out with the project. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so definitely check out Corber. It looks uh, it looks really cool, and I like the idea of like the speed that you would get from using something like Glimmer or uh, Vue or React versus using Ember. Like I, I I know just from Lighthouse testing and stuff that the Glimmer apps are just they're fast. You know they're they're fast by default. Yeah. So seeing seeing that inside of inside of a web view makes a lot more sense. It'll feel snappier. It'll feel closer to you know closer to native. So it's really exciting stuff. I, I'm actually, I'm probably going to start toying around with this because it, it it is starting to get to the point where, you know, maybe you can do a Corber app with Glimmer and you're going to get something that looks kind of close to native, which is pretty awesome. So um, yeah, I, yeah so. just really quick on to mention that um, I actually had done some React Native apps in the past. And at the time we were kind of debating whether we were going to use Cordova and Ember or React Native. And this was when React Native was like super new. 
And we ended up going to React Native because there was this like like slowness for booting the app and stuff like that in Ember. And there was some like manual hookup we had to do in order to get like, I think it's called fast click. So when you tap, there's not like this like mm-hmm, 300 right. millisecond delay. And Corber and Ember Cordova just out of the box worked with Glimmer and was really fast. Like I think it actually has fast click built into it, like by default, so you don't have to do anything because it all that's the awesome. all the button clicks are pretty quick. The 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 thing that's a little hard to pull in, it's not. I mean, it's not super hard, but it's not out of the box. Is getting like a mobile CSS framework. If you're writing it all yourself, then not a big deal. But there's actually a couple good ones that I ended up trying out that worked pretty well. One of them's called like Ratchet Ratchet IO, I think. But it's like a pretty simple CSS framework. So yeah, if you're looking for you know something to get off the ground pretty quickly. I think this is a good idea. Like, There's some CSS frameworks that exist that already give you the mobile feel, and then you know, Glimmer's really fast. Yeah, that's super awesome. Yeah, I, I definitely want to start dabbling with that. Yeah, it's, it's, super, it's super neat. I, I would like to see uh, kind of like where these, these technologies kind of like lead us because it's, you know, it's exciting stuff. So yeah, check out uh, Corber.io, and yeah, we'll keep, uh, we'll keep an eye on it. All right, and that's all we have for this week. Thanks for listening. You can check us out on Twitter at Ember Weekend. Give us some feedback. Tweet us some stories so that we don't have to do so much research. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm Chase McCarthy. And I'm Jonathan Jackson. And we'll see you next week.